I know sitting in the sanctuary this morning, there are people here. I know most of you. I wouldn't say I know all of you well, but I know most of you and have known some of you for all of my life. But there's a reality that all of us kind of have to accept, and that is that, that most of us have gotten over or gotten past difficult things in our life. They still sit back there as a painful memory. They still kind of reside within our story. And sometimes even coming to the surface and we feel the hurt again. Or we feel the anger again. Or we feel the resentment again. Never quite being able to completely put it away or to heal from it completely. And we know that it's true. Every one of us sitting here would would have some testimony of that being true. But this scripture says something. It says that all things. I want to talk to you this morning about the all things mentioned in that verse. Because our typical picture of all things is simply this. That God is working all things for our good. That means that the job interview went well. The job opportunity came in a timely way. The opportunity to move, to change, to buy, to do something. We could tell God was orchestrating those things. And He was orchestrating those things for my good. That's not what the scripture says. It would make sense if it did because we could clearly say that God has me in mind so He opens this door or He closes one. He creates good opportunity for me. He finds those things necessary for me. And we could follow this trail of where God was doing things, working and and changing circumstances and situations for our good. That's not what the Scripture says. When the phone rang a few years ago and Kate said through her tears, Dad... They have found a mass the size of an onion, and I don't know what it is. That is in the all things. When I asked Jan to marry me, and she said yes, that is in the all things. When the doctor entered my mom's hospital room and said those difficult words for us to hear, when they said, Miss Winfrey, it's cancer, that's in the all things. Those all things in verse 28. We don't get to leave anything out, and that's, that's what's troubling to us. It's what's problematic in the verse. Unless we want to really dig and understand and grasp something. This verse is the source of most bitterness. Anger at God. Well, if you're so kind, if you're so good, if you're so able, and if you're so loving, then why does my story look like this? Why did I get that call? Why do I live in this misery? Why do I live in this brokenness? When the phone rang that early morning and I was driving through ropes, And I'd been with Janice up until about 2 o'clock in the morning and I'd gone home to sleep a little while before I had to go to Lubbock. And I got to ropes and they called and said, Randy, she's gone. That's in the all things. When they put Jay in my arms for the first time, something happened so deep within me to be handing my son, to be a father for the first time. That's in the all things. When your daughter takes you by the arm and you begin the most amazing walk, to now place her life and her care into the hands of someone who loves her. When your children are saved and baptized, that is in the all things. The good news and the bad news. The gains and the losses. The questions and the doubts and the certainty and the faith are all included in the all things. And they work together for good. Hard, hard, hard for us to comprehend. So much easier to reduce this into something that simply says, that God has something, he's, he's, making, he's opening a door here, He's closing one here, He's giving a promotion here, He's giving an opportunity here, and all of those things are working for my good. I don't know many verses, and I, you may have others, but I don't know many verses that contain such deep and profound truth 
that requires such great faith and great understanding to get on top of. God speaks often about all things. I went through the Bible and I counted them. Y'all believe that? There were over 200 times in describing all things. The word all by itself is used 5,621 times. It took me a while to find all those. In 4,664 verses, he uses the word all because God is a comprehensive God. When he says all, there's not going to be anything that is left out. Not a single thing will escape when he says all. We read those in these kind of verses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, Charity suffers long and is kind, as he describes his love for us. Love envies not, it vaunts not itself, it's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own, it's not easily provoked and thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, because love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. 2 Corinthians thirteen seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. How many things are in the all things? Everything. He leaves absolutely nothing out. And all things are of God. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. God is absolute in these statements. It leaves us little room to wonder who or what is included in these very, very definitive statements. So here we are with this challenge this morning. How can all things work together for good to them that love God? Here's the first thing, two things we have to recognize if this is going to make any sense to us. The first thing to recognize and receive if this is going to make sense is simply this. God is good. He cannot act outside of himself. I may not know what's going on. I may not be able to understand what's going on, but it does not change the fact that God is good. That has, Somewhere in us that has got to settle. Because if we leave even a margin of wonder, if that is not true, we will, I guarantee you, we will migrate to that point. How long does it take a large balloon filled with air to go flat, even if it's the tiniest hole, from a pen. How long does it take? It will happen so quickly. If it doesn't burst, it will still leak out so quickly. It doesn't take much of a hole in this thought for the power of it to leak out. Because we will find our situation will be the one exception where the hole exists. Well, he may be good, but it does not, and it is not relevant to me. Because I seem to live in that hole. He's not good to me. His heart toward Moses was on display when Moses says, God, show me your face. Show me your glory. And God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock because nobody had ever seen the face of God. Nobody had ever seen God before. And God says, you you stay in the cleft of the rock and I will let all of my goodness pass before you. Because the essence of God is the goodness of God and it will not ever be any different. If you have a desire to see God, you're going to always see His goodness. He says, I know the plans I have for you in Jeremiah 29. And they're what? I know the plans I have for you and they are good. You see, what do we negate if somehow we don't include all things in this verse 28? Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lots with whom is no variableness, 
neither shadow of turning. John 1.17 Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. There may be no immediate comfort in it, but these scriptures give us the platform and the base from which we must understand the scripture. If we don't start there, the all things of verse 28 will make no sense. Either God is good or He's not. That's the, that's the platform that we're going to have to work from. These are scriptures that we cannot simply know. This is truth that must be revealed. This will make no sense if you try to hold it in knowledge, in concept. How can all things... I know what some of you have faced. I know the phone calls in the middle of the night that you have received. I know the sudden shock and departure of friends and family that came so unexpectedly. How long ago, Max, has it been since your dad passed away? Two years and a few days, is what I was thinking. Stung by a wasp and died within about five minutes. Isn't it strange that that's in the all things? See, we don't get that. The beginning of verse 28 says, And this we know. How do we know? Because we know Him. You will not get this if you don't know Him. If you wonder about Him, if you have doubts about Him, about God, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, if you have doubts, you won't get this. Because the only way we can know that all things work together is, is because we know Him and we know that He's good. But the second great shift that has to occur in us for this to make sense is we have to recognize that God did not cause the tragedy. I know this morning, for most of you, you have heard me teach on this, but this is still hard to consider. Because we have been taught from the time that we were so young that when you see something, whether it be good or bad, you understand that it's God's will. You may disagree strongly with me. I can't teach that anymore. I can't make the tragedies of this earth God's fault. I'm sorry, and I'll explain why in just a second. I know it's a great shift. It's a great shift in our thinking and our understanding to consider that we worship a God who is not in control. I hear it all the time. And it brings great comfort to most and to many. But I guarantee you, it brings comfort that God is in control when things are going pretty well in your life or when you're, there's small hurdles that you need to jump and you can say, well, God is in control. But I want to tell you, when suddenly within your life there's now been a mountain placed in front of you that you did not see and you wondered how the mountain missed you because it felt like it was trying to drop on you, with that call in the middle of the night or that tragedy that has occurred, and now you're facing something that seems so steep, I, I have such a difficult time, honestly have a difficult time saying that that was the will of God. I don't believe God is in control. I believe He allows us to be in control. If I teach free will correctly, if I talk about God and His gift of free will to us, then I have to absorb that and accept that to the degree that it proves. The truth is that I believe God is in charge. That He will take anything, any brokenness, any choice that we make, any bad news that we receive. He will take anything, everything, because He is very much in charge. He can take the, the most awful places within our story, the most broken moments of our life. He can take those moments because He is in charge and He can work in them, work through them, and work by them for our good. But we have to recognize, and I hope that, again, this is going to hit people differently this morning, but to recognize that the only way that God can work all things is for us to recognize that He is not the cause of all those broken things. 
It's ridiculous, but if I go lay out on the street this morning and I let you run over me, I have a hard time assigning that to God and Him being, well, He's in control. No, I did something I probably shouldn't have done. It swirls in our head differently when we begin to comprehend a God who is in charge, but a God who has allowed us to be in control of our own story. Decisions that we make, choices that we make, things that we do, not because of anyone, but because of ourselves. I'll confess, after being your pastor now for over eight years, I will readily admit that I cannot always tell, in tragedy or sadness, which is truly happening. Some are easier than others. When somebody passes that's elderly, and you're there with them, and you feel the peace enter the room when they pass, you can say so easily and so well that this was God's plan, and that they have lived the fullness of the days that God had assigned, and you can say, this is God's will for this person and know that he was in the moment and taking care of the moment and that it was one that he had planned according to his will. I can also say in tragedy, it's not confusing to me to believe and know that God's heart was broken in the same moment yours was. It was not his plan for you to suffer that great loss. Again, I know many of you will disagree and that's okay. I want you to hear. I want you to know how he can work all things together. How strange that would be to believe, how hard it would be to believe if the God that had just caused your tragedy is now the God I'm offering to you for comfort. That's why I can't do it anymore, and if if it offends you, I apologize. I think the moment the, the phone call comes and you hear the news, Max, when the news came, I think it broke God's heart, just like it did John's. Because with if, if I can accept that, if I can process it that, in the passing of a child, before or after birth, it's far more difficult to recognize that this was God's plan and that some great epic rescue has now occurred. It's not always easy to tell. So I go back and stand on this platform that says God is good. The conclusion is the same, always God is good. But for me to explain to you and for this verse to have any understanding or any reasoning behind it that all things can work together for the good of those who love the Lord then I have to at least try to explain and get us to all understand he did not cause the all things, but he's working in the all things for your good because he knows the plans he has for you and they're good. God is working in the all things. Here's what I want us most definitely to see. The scripture goes beyond simply saying all things, but immediately says that all things work together. That simply tells me that my all things and your all things, my list of great and awful, good news and bad news, my list is designed to work with your list because he's working all things together. My experiences can bring you understanding. Your wisdom can bring me peace. Your broken heart becomes my mission field. My tragedy is now ours to bear. He's working all things. He does it to bring unity. He does it to establish glory. He does it to bring comfort. If we remove ourselves, and it's so easy to do, we build walls and we, and we seek protection behind them so that nobody can come in. And sometimes those walls are necessary so that God can heal us alone before we can ever let anybody else in. But if those walls stay and we don't let others in, if we remove ourselves, someone's cry goes unheard. 
someone's sadness goes unseen, if we remove our testimony, someone's hope is lost. If we remove our hands, someone's need is unmet. We were designed as a body. We know this well. We were designed as a body so that your hurt becomes our hurt. Your victory becomes our victory. Because He's working all things together for us collectively. So far, so much bigger than just my story. I didn't ask permission to do this, so I'll do it, do it carefully. But Rhonda Gardner has been very open with me about grief. And her telling me, her sharing with me, has now become the basis of dozens and dozens of conversations with people who are in my office whose hearts are broken or who has experienced loss because what God has shown her, taught her through this tragedy within her story, the fact that she would tell it, write about it, share it with us all, now becomes the basis from which I share to many about the sadness that they experience. I would not be in the same place. I would not be so well equipped. I would not be ready. It was always an area of my life that I stumbled over. What do I tell someone? Until Rhonda was open and shared. And what, how amazing it has been to be able to share her visions, her truth, the reality of her experience with others. We are designed to be a family. It's a simple truth that we confess. He that gave us His own Son for us cannot but mean us well in all things. Think about that for just a second. If He was willing to go to the full extent of giving His Son for us, that we might live and live eternally and live abundantly, why would He turn on us? Why would He not mean us well if He's going to that extent to share that with such abundance? To those who love God and are called according to His purpose, we by faith and wisdom understand what Paul was saying. And he said this in this letter as a normal matter of fact. That those who love God and are loved by God can trust that simple truth. And we know all things work together. For good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. I don't know what your news is right now. I don't know what your past news has been. I simply know this. That if you remember it, and if it's part of your story, it's included in the all things. And God is working. Working all things. I'm going to make a point, and I didn't know whether I was going to make this or not, but I'm going to share it because I don't want to end this on something negative, but this, this, there's a simple truth to this. There's a group of people around, and they kind of always seem to be around, who refuse to believe that all things work together for their good. They're very consistent at it. They're very determined in it. You can watch them every day. Boy, they, they, they are around all the time. They don't want to take a bath. They don't want to eat spinach. They don't want to listen to your correction. Who do we call them? Children. Because they have a hard time believing that you as a parent are working all things for their good. Because they don't understand them. It's not what they want. You can sit here with bitterness and you can sit here with anger. You can sit here with a storehouse of emotions because of past things. And refuse to believe that God is working in all things for your good. He didn't cause them. But He works in them. Because his heart for you compels him. That even in the poor choice you made when you mashed your finger as a child, God is going to work in the all things for your good. I would encourage you today to step into the reality that God has a plan for you. And it's good. Even if you can open the door just a little. When I began this morning, there was such a strange 
feeling for me in the sanctuary because it was like it was overflowing with mercy. Like from corner to corner, top to bottom, this place was filled with mercy. What's going to happen inside your heart if you create one small crack and this place is filled with mercy? What's going to happen the the minute that the crack is open? What's going to happen? Mercy will rush in and it will come like a flood. It'll be overwhelming. This much. If you give God this much, He will flood you with mercy and love. Kindness and goodness. Because that's who He is. It may come because somebody reached out and shook your hand or hugged you, pulled you close. The love of God overwhelms your heart for the first time in a long time. Don't remove yourself because of the difficulty or the bad news or the good news. Don't remove yourself. Your story is a gift to someone else because he's working all things together. Melissa stood on Easter Sunday morning and shared her testimony. There was a lot in it, a lot of hurt in it. But what do we see today? What's the evidence? All things working together. Look at her. For good. Amazing. You know, that's your story as well. It would be different. But she shared it on that Sunday morning. And I've sent people, person after person after person, to the website to listen to her. Because what does that testimony do? It works all things for someone's good. Because somebody can hear it and have hope. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a chance that my life is not as bad as I thought it was. Maybe I'm not as desperate. Maybe my situation is, maybe there is help for where I stand. You remove yourself, someone's hope is found somewhere else. Your story's valuable. He's working all things. If you need to come to the altar, if you need to come talk to me, you do so. Because this morning, God is trying to get us to the place where there'll be some small opening so that we can understand how all things are working and that goodness can replace the bitterness. Kindness can replace the brokenness. He has such a desire this morning to touch your heart very, very gently. He's speaking to you in soft words. Because He wants you to know He loves you. He won't overwhelm you this morning. You give Him the crack, He'll flood in. But you'll feel the gentleness and the kindness of God. Lord, we thank You this morning that we could come. And I don't know this morning that the difference that, in, that You have made in any story. But You have promised that Your Word would not return void. So I pray, Lord, that it has penetrated the heart that it was designed to penetrate to bring relief and comfort in the places where it was desperately needed. Encouragement where there was desperation. Hope where someone feels lost. I pray, Lord, that the words that you have spoken, the scripture that you have released this morning, will find its target in each life and make the difference that only you can make. Thank you, Lord, that you have filled this room this morning with mercy. That anybody who's willing, any heart that's open, any mind made ready, will feel, Lord, the trickle of your, of your mercy come gently into their life. There is no place for bitterness and anger. There is no place for resentment and regret. You died to take those away. Let us receive this morning the fullness of your healing and restoration and forgiveness. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.